Today's episode of the Mask Man Show is brought to you by SeatGeek, our presenting sponsor and the only fan-friendly app for buying and selling sports and music tickets. SeatGeek makes buying and selling tickets on your phone a total snap. With just two taps, you can instantly buy tickets to an event that same day, have your tickets delivered straight to your phone, and uh, enter the event without ever having to print a ticket. And if you can't go to a gamer show, you can sell your tickets directly from the app in less than 30 seconds. With SeatGeek, there's no guesswork. You'll know exactly where you're sitting, what you'll pay, and whether or not you're getting a good deal all right from your phone. So drop that old ticket app and experience buying and selling tickets the way it should be. To start using SeatGeek, download the free app or go to SeatGeek.com. Welcome to the Masked Man Show. On this beautiful and glorious week, we have a new world, oh, sorry, a new universal champion. <laughs> I'm never going to get that right. Um, we uh, we saw the the, we, the passing of, of a real, true WWF legend, and, uh, and... Well, I mean, that's about all. It, that's about it for the big news. Um, I'm sitting here with Sam Donsky of TheRinger.com and Angelina Burnett of Television Fame. <laughs> sure. How should I'll it, take what, it. What, what is your official byline that you want to run with this week? I don't week? know. Halt and Catch Fire writer. That's all I want people well, to do is watch Halt and Catch Fire. Right now, that is. There's <laughs> nothing more. There's nothing cooler you could be. Awesome. I'll take it. I mean. Halt and Catch Fire writer is on par with WWE Women's Champion. Yes. Like, at this point. Um, not, and that's not to diminish the women's championship at all. Um, so yeah, I mean, let's get right into the real stuff. The most important thing that happened this week, somehow Finn Balor gets hurt and ruins the most wonderful storyline that smart fans like us could have hoped for. And WWE did the thing that they are always reluctant to do. They never pull it off. They just doubled down and went with Kevin Owens. Like, it's like, like, everything in WWE modern history would lead you to believe that this was the time where, like, we're going to play it safe and put the belt back on Seth Rollins. They've done it with John Cena 9,000 times, and yet on Monday night we got just one of the greatest matches and weirdest wonderful moments that anybody could have imagined. What, what, what was your take, Sam? I, I got swerved right along with everyone. I got worked. I thought that for sure they were going to just... Go with the safety valve, Rollins. Um, There's really no reason for him not to hold the belt. I mean, he just, you know, came back strong. Um, I, watching it again this morning, yeah. I realized, wow, actually, Cole kind of tipped the ending a little, and it's obvious. But during it live, I was all in. I thought that... Um, that it was Rollins. I just didn't even consider that it could be KO. What, wait, what did Cole say? Me. I'm sorry, I missed this. I didn't. Re- I didn't rewatch this morning. <laughs> Cole was going on like, you know, oh, this is like, you know, the kind of um, the status quo of, you know, how it's been, sort of like, you know, Hunter kind of, you know, helping Rollins, and you know, Rollins kind of snaking his way to to victory, and just sort of resetting it. Like, oh, this was how WWE was. Before WrestleMania, you know, during the Authority era. So what you're saying is Michael Cole did a good job. So uh, Michael Michael Cole was great in this match. I thought, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wait, Angelina, what was your take on the well, match? For one, I always tune out the announcers, so I feel like I'm. Missing, I do too. I'm yeah, missing I, crucial. I have story to try. I, I go when I rewatch. I rewatch with it like with my ears wider open. But yeah, I do too. Yeah, I, I, you know, this is one of the be- either the benefits or the drawbacks of only being a fan of this for like a year and a half. I assumed it was Kevin. Like I, for not for a second did yeah. I think they would put the belt back on. It seemed so obvious. I mean, he's so over. Everyone so loves him. If they're willing to put the belt on Finn after oh, two weeks, yeah. it, it just it seemed obvious to me. What I found strange was that they brought Triple H into it at all. I didn't that that I'm baffled by. Well, that's uh, that's probably uh, you probably get that from not watching for more than a couple years too. Uh, you, you're not quite aware that Triple H <laughs> interjects himself into every single storyline in a really in a really major way to the point where all the fans just cry about it. But I love Triple H, and by the way, for all like for all the legitimate cr- criticism that Triple H gets um, for putting himself over, burying people, whatever you want to. I mean, I think a lot of that's overblown. Some of it's legit. But Monday night was the best possible use of Triple H. I mean, what, like, for Triple H to, to get in there and to put over Kevin Owens, of all people. 
But why is that of all people? Like he's well, like he's clearly the dude behind NXT. Kevin Owens was made and like he was launched from NXT into the main roster. I, I don't know. Yeah, it just well, felt like I'm leaving behind old NXT guy and taking on new NXT yeah. guy. My bigger issue with it, and please correct me if I've missed something crucial here, like he fucks over his wife. Why not set that up? Like why not establish some behind the scenes conflict? Is a good because well, here's the thing. He goes to, he does a head fake, right? He goes to KO like he's, he's going to do it again. He's going to put Rollins over again. And then he like looks back and is like, ha ha, psyched you out. But what's, like, what's sitting underneath that other than just psyching out the fans? Like, isn't it more interesting if, he's, if it's two levels, right? He's psyching out the fans and he's psyching out Stephanie. So like, we had this deal and now I'm going to turn my back on you. If that was established, that would have been a thrilling moment. Because it wasn't sitting on anything, I didn't understand what it was. Yeah, I mean, I thought the, the alignment of it was the most interesting thing right. by far because from watching it from, I guess, from that perspective, it seems like you could make a really, I know, like, kind of joking about fa faces and heels has kind of, you know, kind of been run to the ground. But I, I really do feel like you could make a great argument that Triple H kind of overcame these tendencies of his to, you know, the Vince lineage of wanting a champ that looks a certain way and sure. handpicking you want Rollins and then handpicking Reigns, but he rejected them. You know, they want a champ that's a certain way. And for Triple H to uh, endorse or whatever, Owens was like a face move in a, yeah. in a, in a certain context that's of like Triple H overcoming a certain bias. If the, okay, two things. I, yeah, Angelina, to what you said, I think that one of the, your 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 brain you you have too much of it you have I like know, a, you I have, think you too have much a, about this stuff. you have a good writer brain <laughs> as opposed to a wrestling writer brain this is just a situation where they had like the surprise was worth more than like actual artful storytelling and they'll and they'll best case scenario go back and build like build that back in build yeah. build the backstory back in in the coming weeks yeah right like if they had, Triple H hasn't been on TV since WrestleMania, WrestleMania? Yep. So, oh, well. like, so this was a shocking return, right? Okay. And, like, and that's what was so interesting about it. I mean, that, it's not interesting. That's what was so compelling about it. Uh, if they had built it up in any way, we would have all seen it coming, um, like, for miles. I, I, see, I disagree with that, though. I think there's, and you're right, I think too hard about this stuff. I, you know, write cable drama all day long, so obviously there are different <laughs> mechanics. But I think, you know, if you had had Stephanie and Triple H on screen together doing anything, it doesn't even have to be related to the championship match. Just establishing their relationship sure. in the context of what's about to it, happen, it means more. It, do, it, it, does, it does create a kind of barrier for entry. I think that I would say normally I would agree with that. And from a, just a storytelling perspective, like what's the right thing from a storytelling perspective strictly. But I feel like Triple H just looms so large yeah. mm -hmm. over that universe that he's the one guy who even in his absence, there's the sort of constant subtext of where's Triple H? What is Triple okay. H? Like during the draft, yeah. like you're I thinking, where does he stand? No, I think that's right. And to go to your point that you were saying earlier about uh, Triple H sort of turning face, I mean... For all clearly of the, not though, right? Well, we agree that probably it's Rollins going face. Probably, yeah. But I think that it. But but in in the sort of meta terms, there's only one storyline. I mean, not there's not only one, but the one storyline that like we all they could really mine a lot out of is Triple H rejecting the legacy of Vince McMahon, like the like the That's, rooted in reality storyline yeah. of Triple H saying like forget your ultimate warriors and whatever is like look at nxt i'm doing it the right way yeah. and and my guys don't have like don't necessarily have the best physiques or the you know whatever well uh, i that is for sure i feel like the i, I know people have said that you could all that nxt could almost get to a point where this sort of ship has sailed but people were talking like you could even do an invasion angle with you know the NXT and Triple H and sort of like that, which I mean, I'm saying that at a, at a certain point, you know, the kind of NXT versus WWE sure. dynamic has, you know, reaches a tipping point. But I, I was wondering to myself, like how many people, just a casual WWE fan is cognizant of, you know, Triple H as the godfather of NXT? I would say a, a, a shockingly small number. Right. So I mean, just the way that, that they... The effort that they went through to sort of introduce us to Finn Finn Balor in the in the limited amount of time we had, yeah. I mean, the, the the like putting 
having the Demon King entrance on the Raw before SummerSlam was objectively for it for anyone that's ever seen NXT or whatever. That was a terrible choice, right? But the but it makes a lot of sense in the context of like. 95% of our fans have never seen this entrance, and they're going to be just really confused on Sunday yep. if we don't show it to them first. Why is it a, wait, but why is that a bad choice? Well, I, because you NXT? save it for big events, because it's uh, like, and, and all, I mean, just from a purely kayfabe point of view, uh-huh. it's it, like, what, like the point of it is to get into his opponent's head. Yeah. You know, you make the big entrance, and he's like, and, and he should be freaked the F out, like, yeah, on the, yeah, you yeah. know, okay. when it happens. But you. like, you know, and to give to give Seth Rollins a warning that like this is what's about to come seems really beside the point, right? Yeah, I hear but that. that's but yeah, I mean anyway, yeah, but but it's I think that that's just the all the evidence you need of uh, of that like the fans don't know about NXT or I mean a lot of them do an increasing number, but that Triple H is like the Godfather. I think that's pretty inside baseball. Really, that's so interesting. I mean, I it came into this right? completely backwards. I was an NXT fan before I was a main roster fan, so. I just feel like my whole perception of this is completely upside down, which is kind of fun. Yeah, <laughs> no, and I think that's what's real. That's what's so interesting about this, about the championship match on Monday, and the direction that they've been going is that um, there are different ways to watch, and yeah. I think that you know, as may, we can go over and over again about it, but like we are sort of getting to a post. I'm gesturing at Sam Donsky here. We're getting to a sort of post babyface and heel world it's never going to be totally gone. This is pro wrestling, but like, yeah, I mean, WWE must acknowledge that. I mean, fans were chanting, you deserve it, at Kevin Owens last yeah. night after yep. the evil COO schmazed them, like, ru- like ruined everything yeah. and gave and, and gifted him the match, right? A heel beat up two other, beat up all the tough competition and let another heel get the win, and the fans were going crazy for it. Well, I think yeah. WWE is going to let us cheer for Kevin Owens, but just still book him as the heel. I have to say that his, his face when Triple H hit that pedigree on Rollins was like the best in ring, <laughs> just facial WWE acting I think I've ever seen. Yeah. I, He's like, a hell of an I actor. I really was like, I, I texted a couple of people like, do you think, like, is there any chance that he didn't know the finish? Which is an absurd no. notion, right? Of course he did. But just that I was, I was like, any chance that he, like, they, that he thought Rollins was going over and then Triple H kind of gave him the nod and he looked like shocked. Like he was so convincing yeah. that yeah. I thought there's a, you know well i mean let's talk a little bit about the match itself it was uh i mean there's no reason to do play by play but 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 as we're lauding uh justifiably their decision to put the belt on kevin owens we don't want to get lost that it was a really great match raw overall was i was oddly compelling and i was saying this to sam before before we started recording just because it was a pretty concise show like there weren't that many things that happened mm-hmm. they started with the with the inner with the you know talking to the the uh the four guys who were in the main event and they ended with and it was a really long main event i mean not really long but it was a fairly lengthy main event but the match itself was um was really good i mean i just want like credit goes to roman reigns for really like like he's coming strong and all these like he watching him in the ring over the past several months I think that he's going to win every time and it, and I've realized it's not just because Roman Reigns is always going to win because he's the new John Cena or whatever it's because he puts in a level of effort that makes you that makes you think like it's like the I'm going over level of effort right like I got to look good I'm about to win the title um and big Cass... I mean, who was, you got to say, he was kind of shotgunned into this spot. They always got to put somebody in there. But, like, I don't know. I, like, I'm always sort of pleasantly surprised by Cass. I he, love uh, him. Uh, oh, yeah. I think oh, that, come on. I bring it out. Let's say A couple it. of things. A couple of things. One, in his video package, he didn't even do his accent, which really bugged me. Oh, yeah. I didn't notice that at all. You just dropped the accent. I didn't like, notice. Give me a little accent. Um, <laughs> I don't need the... But the thing is, we don't... It's silly. We don't need the accent. No, I know. No, I know, no, no. You're right. That There shouldn't be... I mean, it should be consistent. Yeah, but like... It just seems like that's like a... Just that's sort of a an example of how he's like, oh, that's... Someone who was not as green as Cass, you would have worked out those kinks before they're sure. getting to the point of... I don't know. I'm probably being a being a bit of a Cass hater. I, th- I, th- I just thought... <laughs> Who's this? Who is the backup choice? Who's the fifth choice after Cass? I mean, Cesaro. Cesaro? <laughs> let's say because he's he's otherwise of, occupied. Uh, I mean, I think the interesting thing, Zane. Zane yeah. is. I think Zane would have been a legitimate choice because he was there. I mean, he wrestled. He. I mean, he wrestled Rollins last week. Um, but yeah, 
I mean, I, th- I, I keep saying this, and I feel like a broken record. I mean, the interesting choice to me would be put to, would to put any member of the New Day into that match. Oh, yeah, that would be great. That's, that's the choice is Big E on the, on the, I know, I yeah. banging that drum. I mean, and how much would you, I mean, I, at this point, it's been so long that the New Day's been together and keep them together forever. I mean, that's great. But, like, it's been so long. Like, I honestly am just intellectually, I'm interested in seeing what Big E would be like in that match because mm-hmm. it's been so long since he's been in any kind of... And I think that that's why the Bailey segment was actually the sort of crossing segments, but why that was so good was because it like like when the New Day did their thing with Rollins for a minute and then that kind of, you know, and they had a little interaction with Cena for a minute. Those are like by far my favorite New Day moments of their run is when they're like interacting with the WWE universe and not just like this kind of island of New Day where they yeah. cut their promo sure. and then they keep the belts for a year, which is great, but it just sort of seems like, you know, to have New Day be in the universe of that title storyline. Anyway, I'm getting no, off track, I, but I mean... I, I, I completely agree. Um, yeah, I mean, I just... Uh, to me, to go back to Big Cass, to me... I'm not going to put this into, into, the, into, into words in the best way possible, but I wrote last week about how like dangerous wrestling has suddenly become right mm-hmm. like everybody's getting everybody's getting broken you know i mean finn balor obviously top of the list but also randy orton getting his head exploded by brock lesnar and i mean there's all yeah, there's all these examples um big Cass, despite the fact that he sort that he semi-recklessly throws his partner out of the ring <laughs> on occasion is like his style is in some ways just like i, I like it's the ww it the wwe style for the modern era, right? For like, sure. Not like for all of the indie influences that we see, guys like Seth Rollins and Finn and Kevin Owens and stuff do. Although Owens is a really safe worker. I mean, I don't mean to imply that anyone else isn't safe, but Cass is like the sort of hammy, sort of like performative version of a wrestler who is steeped in like indie, you know, international style, but is very much a a a what generational WWE performer. Hmm. I mean, I yeah, I'm really high. I don't, I don't mean to say that. Like, I just was saying that I don't know if he was ready for this match. But I mean, long term, I love him, and I think that there is something very classic WWE about having the guy who is like the hammer size wise. Like you have, you know, Reigns, who's the, that thing they, the riff they did on the big dog name. Yeah. Where like Reigns is the big dog. Whenever Cass is in the room, he's the biggest guy in the room. Is sort of like a a dynamic that has kind of always been there in WWE that you kind of are always knowing who the biggest guy in the company is. And I think that Cass is as worthy. Is yeah. that right? I don't I mean, I think he's, I don't, I don't have enough context to understand what you're saying in terms of if his work style, but I find him really compelling. I find him incredibly charming. I think he's a breath of fresh air with three dudes who I've seen so many worked so many times and well, in that, so many different he's a breath of fresh air for sure i just i and there was a moment where i was like they might actually let him stick through the like well maybe it'll be you know him and reigns at the end like for a second i thought they set it up well enough that i was like maybe this is going to be the swerve how Sam. do you i, I asked <laughs> i asked you this i asked you this the other day but what do you wwe clearly made the calculus that having because Cass, i don't think has taken a pin um, no, there's, it feels view. like they're setting him up for right. for a long, yeah, solid right, right. run. Sure. So it feels like they've really gone out of their way to protect him. Yeah. And how do you feel? About, do you think it was worth him getting the rub of being in that match with those four guys versus protecting him from eating that pin? Yes. You think pins are meaningless? As you long, think so? you can all, I mean, he looked. He was very. He was protected in the pin too. You know. I mean, it wasn't like he just got punched in the face and went down. Um, yeah, I mean, I think he's great, and I think that I think that the, uh, I mean, it's been said a million times. The really interesting tension is going to be to see, you know, how his relationship Enzo with Enzo turn on each other. It's going to break my heart, and it's going to be great. well. I mean, in some <laughs> sense, like, but like you can't. I mean, I think that you, they have to be smart enough to know that they can't they can't split them up, right? I mean, it's well, like not it's anytime like, soon. They're like master blaster. Listen, it's like one you, guy has the brain and one guy has the body. Sure, but, but if you don't turn those two on each other, then you've wasted incredible story potential. How would you even? <laughs> I don't even know how you you do it. Like because Enzo's not. He's not like it's not like Sean and Diesel. I mean, he's like not a, a worker really. He's yeah, like, it's not like he's like small, but he can go. He just kind of 
is meant to be what he, what he is. Like, there's no, I don't think there's a next step for Enzo unless it's like. Really? But there huh. doesn't need to be a next step. No, that's I mean, the next, the next step is putting him in the main event, really, because he gets that kind of reaction. Now, whether or not he can go, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't, we'll see. I think he's, I think he's great. Like, I would rather see. I love Enzo. I would rather see Enzo as champion than Cass, but, but it would be, a, it would take a lot of careful booking, I think, to really make that yeah. work. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, it was a, it was a crazy, it was a, it was a crazy ending to the match for, with Triple H to come back out. Angelina, I think you're right. I think that the way that they, that I was expecting them to book this would have been, would have been Roman Reigns and Cass staring down as the last two guys, and then Roman Reigns going over or whatever, Seth Rollins, you know, whatever. Like Cass is Cass is the right guy to put in that will almost let you believe this yeah. is going to happen position. Yeah. Kevin Owens has, is not that guy and has never been and has actually been. In, I think there have been other matches where he was, you know, not chosen for that position. Um, but to put the belt on him, I mean. I think the surprising thing is coming out of the draft, he was drafted, you know, he was a low pick. He didn't really have much time to run with the disgruntled low pick gimmick. <laughs> I think there were too many draft gimmicks that yeah. happened in one day and not everybody could use him. Then the team up with Jericho, which was fun, but but also seemed like a holding pattern for him. It didn't for sure. necessarily position him for this. Obviously, they didn't know that, that Finn was going to get hurt. Um, Jericho, by the way, brief aside, brought back the, the lion tamer on yes, so Monday. Um, this is way back wrestling history for you, Angelina, but like awesome. when he was in WCW, he the walls of Jericho was a different move. Like now it's just a Boston Crab where he just sits on the dude's back. Yeah. Back in the day, it was this really cool move where you it was like the guy was just upside down and you were bending his ankles back and you had your his your knee in like the back of his neck and it was just looked a lot better. <laughs> but he can't do it. The 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 like this the both the kayfabe and the real reason that he changed it was he couldn't really do that on big guys. So the the question that like I had watching this was is he going to be in the cruiserweight division and how <laughs> and how because he was because that's where he made his name in the WCW yeah. cruiserweight division. How great would that be? If, is he if still heel... a cruiserweight though? No, He's but it, no, but it doesn't matter. Like if Heel Jericho was holding down <laughs> yes. that division, how that great would, would that be? That'd be the best running joke slash reality. Because no one in that I, division right now has anything resembling a personality. I love that because my uh, my conclusion from him pulling that out was way more morbid, which is that it's like, is this like? Uh, Goodbye, like kind of like calling back something like before, you know, a farewell, like a farewell. Like Jericho's like, it's funny because Jericho's come and gone so many times in the past several years, but like, I don't think, I think if he announced his retirement, to, like if he went to Vince tomorrow and said, like, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm done, I'm gonna retire, Vince would give him $50 million to stay. I think that yeah. at, at this point in time, give he's just so, he's so important. No, I mean, it's not even a gift. I think that, like, I just think that they, they need him so yeah. much right now to come, to, to come in this, in the, in the last, whatever, eight, nine months to, to go from a guy who's working house shows just because he likes wrestling and, like, WWE has nothing to, nothing for him on television to the spot. I mean, he's not a, he's not headlining, but he's there to be your sort of, like, borderline headliner forever now. And he's, and he's the, the, the transition, that he, the turn that he's made in his character over the past few weeks has been just glorious. Well, I mean, he really is a glue guy when you, when you think of that Owens is champ now and let's say there's no Jericho and... Owens was going to be in a holding pattern for the last, you know, six weeks or whatever, and you didn't have Jericho, like, you know, maybe Owens is kind of in a worse spot yeah. now in post-SummerSlam, and maybe he's not, you know, uh, ready for that belt. So I agree. Um, but, yeah, so, Angelina, you were... So you're you're you were expecting Kevin Owens to win the whole time. No, yeah, I mean, I mean, you were like you, you whole, thought it I was, went into the match assuming they were going to put I, the belt on KO. I think that for from from my point of view as as a you know a longtime fan who has been who has been uh, fooled one too many times, <laughs> Kevin Owens is just one of those is one of those guys. It's like Daniel Bryan. We're like they they spent a year building up that Daniel Bryan storyline when he won. I mean, deliberately or no. That like by the time we got to WrestleMania 30, no one in like no one should have thought that anybody was walking out with except for Daniel walking out with the title except for Brian, right? Mm -hmm. But it was still so. It just felt so improbable on a core level that that the release when he won was just amazing. Yeah, and I think that for 
for me, that's what the Kevin Owens win was. Like, like it, it they could have they could have projected it even more than they did, and it just seems like Kevin Owens was never going to be that. Like, I logically I could disagree, but like in my heart, I thought Kevin Owens was never going to be that guy. Well, I'm really happy for you then. It's a, that it's must a big, have been a joyful a moment. Day for me. I'm really happy for you, well, David Shoemaker. Like purely physically, he's the most unlikely WWE champ since. I don't even know what the answer is. I mean, dude has to wear Spanx. Well, Come on. Mick Foley, who was sitting at ringside. Mick Foley's like, he's like 6'3", though. He's like pretty Yeah, tall. but like, but Mick Foley in his day, yeah. well, he's proportional, I think, to what sure, Owens sure, sure. is now. Yeah. Um, and it was, it was interesting. I mean, there was a great subtle moment between Triple H and Mick Foley. They, they kind of, they looked at each other after Triple H came See, in. And, I have questions about that. Well, ask away. Is there some long-standing history yeah. that helps me understand that moment? Those two guys basically, I mean, there was also The Rock and Austin, although Austin was in and out with injuries or whatever. But Fully made him. Huh? Fully kind of made Fully him. made Triple H. Really? They, they feuded a billion times and, I mean, they over a long period of time. When Triple H was sort of Shawn Michaels' lackey, and then, and then Shawn Michaels left. Triple H sort of had to create himself into a headliner, and a lot of that was in matches with The Rock. I mean, The Rock and Triple H shared a long. They they came up at the same time. Like they were like they feuded over the Intercontinental Belt, and then like a couple years later or a year later, they were feuding over the the main title. But they Foley and Triple H had some huge matches, and uh, you know they're they're precisely the same generation in WWE uh -huh. in WWF WWE. Um, but we haven't seen Triple H, because I, I will admit I, I often only half watch Raw. Um, but we haven't seen Triple H and Foley together since he took over as GM of Raw, oh, no, no, right? No, no, no. Okay. Triple H has been gone the whole time. And Foley has, I mean, since his retirement, transitioned into sort of like a non-wrestling character. Yeah. I mean, it's not, he doesn't even have the, he doesn't have, I'm trying to think of what the example is. He doesn't have like the, you know... Kurt Angle, the general manager Kurt Angle, like physical veiled threat behind mm -hmm. even yeah. even his lack of physicality. Um, McFoley is a reality show character, or he's a he's a cartoon character. He's a Santa Claus impersonator, and that's like how we that's how he deliberately comes across. He's a kinder, gentler stand-up comic, McFoley, yeah. which made it. I made it him immensely. I mean, yeah. <laughs> oh, he's great. He's really he's been really good. But it was like because he's been that guy, that reality show kind of fun-loving whatever for so long seeing him in the same you know couple of square feet as triple h was pretty electric i thought like it kind of snapped back into place a little like you're i don't know i thought that was like that's why i think that you know triple h that that moment was just there's so much when he's in the building there's all this subtext that kind of mm -hmm. comes back and, and when they allow it to come across it's incredibly powerful you know, I mean, it's it's in some ways that's why Triple H, like the the executive, is more interesting than Triple H, the wrestler, could have ever been because there's because there's just so much there's so much subtext, and when they make that part of the story, then like you know, I we we smart fans really win the day. I mean, I think that that's what that's the lesson for this whole for the whole uh, main event and our new champion Kevin Owens. Who congratulations, dude, and. Congrats to young Owen Owens. I mean, Owen Steen, too. There was a very sweet that was photo of them with the belt. And they said, it might have been just a mistake, but they definitely called him the first universal champion. Yes. Which is really sad. Oh, I feel bad. That hurts my heart. For Finn. Well, is there any kayfabe way that that could have been true? Steph said it, right? Yeah. I don't think there's... Away. Does he? Does Finn Balor? Does Finn Balor get the title revoked because he was ne never healthy enough to hold it? I think that in my personal Sam kayfabe, if you go on the <laughs> morning show, that's it. You're yeah. Champion. And I he think, also he I also think agreed. She misspoke. I first of all, I didn't catch that, but that's got to be misspeaking. That doesn't make any <laughs> that's sense. That's a bitter pill. If you're Finn, no, it's terrible. Watching that. Yeah. I have to say, though, you said when we first started that, you know, his injury sort of like destroyed what could have been this really incredible storyline. I actually think there's a way to look at this as glass half full. I mean, a comeback story for a guy like Finn, if they if they book it right, it's going to be thrilling. It's oh, yeah. It's going to be 100%. Thrilling. And it can, there's a way for him to come out further ahead in six months than he would have been if he just stayed on the roster. Yeah, I agree. Um, and I, I mean, I think that he's... I, I think that he's uh, I think that as a as 
the sorts of fans that we are and the people that listen to this podcast, we are, you know, going to be pessimistic. And the fear is only that he's going to be that he's going to be labeled with some sort of injury, you know, yeah. that he's like injury prone, which is not true. Not at all. But there's all there's been there's a long history of wrestling of in, in wrestling of people getting um bad reputations just because of just because of freak accidents yeah. you know it's like oh he's not dependable we put it we give him the opportunity and look what happens they're not stupid they hopefully they're not stupid enough to do that with Finn they seem to have way too much invested in him and justifiably and yes this will I mean it would be better if it was the three month injury but yeah, yeah this is gonna be this is gonna work out just fine I mean he's got for him what six months gives him like a month and a half two month run up to Wrestlemania yeah, yeah. I mean it, yeah it, the, I'm, I'm very interested to see uh, how quickly he comes back because six months I think is you know the the official medical prognosis but we'll but it's we've definitely seen wrestlers that that are that are that beat those uh beat those estimates all, all I can say about my 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 last real thought about the KO championship reign is that I really wanted them to stop doing those 20 minute opening raw drone promos during the end of the Rollins uh-huh. And now all I want is for them to bring it back. The guys who are, and we, but but the beginning of those, yeah, I mean the begin the, when those Rollins promos started, everybody was over the moon about how good he was at working heel, you know, doing these heel promos, right? It's the it's just like anything else in wrestling, especially when you have a three hour Raw, and now you know, I mean, I guess SmackDown kind of helps now because it's a separate show, but there's just. Once something works, they give it to you over and over again, and like so, in like such multitude that it that you inevitably get tired of it. But yeah, man, Kevin Owens coming out and gloating on next week is the is like the the most I mean the most exciting thing I could I could imagine. <laughs> Quick break. As much as I'd love for this to be a heel promo, I'm about to cut the world's biggest babyface promo uh, in honor of our sponsor, Blue Apron. Uh, not all ingredients are created equal. Fresh, high-quality ingredients taste better and are better for you. This is really true, so it's important to know where your food comes from. I uh, am a nerd just like you guys. I sit at home watching wrestling, and I cook with Blue Apron uh, and absolutely love getting great meals delivered straight to my house. Every week, I'm always excited to try new foods uh, that I never would have thought I'd made. Uh, Blue Apron has established partnerships with 150 farms, more than 150 farms, fisheries, and ranchers across the United States. And as a result, the seafood is sourced sustainably, beef is raised humanely, and they even use regenerative farming practices for their produce. Uh, I hope Finn Balor has access to some of those regenerative practices. I think his shoulder needs it. Some of the meals available in September are paprika spice shrimp and cheddar grits with tomato and sweet corn. I'm a huge shrimp and grits guy. I need to make that shirt. Uh, spicy hoisin chicken stir fry with baby bok choy and sesame ginger cucumber salad. Uh, You can check out this week's menu and get your first three meals free with free shipping by going to blueapron.com slash masked, M-A-S-K-E-D. You'll love how good it feels, how good it tastes, and, uh, wait, sorry, let's do that over. You'll love how good it feels and tastes to create incredible home-cooked meals with Blue Blue Apron. So don't wait, man. That's blueapron.com slash masked. Blue Apron's a better way to cook. Um, quick transition. We talked really briefly about about Mick Foley and how he's sort of in this post wrestling stage of his career. This is the time I think to briefly touch on Daniel Bryan, who I don't know if if you guys caught what happened last night after SmackDown, but two weeks ago Bryan and the Miz get in this big argument about. Well, I mean, basically it's Bryan. It's Bryan sort of shooting and saying he doesn't like the Miz's wrestling style, and Miz saying like. Well, your wrestling style ended your career way too early, and now no one gets to see you wrestle. Uh, and then they, the, the I'm, uh, correct me if I if I get anything wrong here. On Monday Night Raw, I mean, everybody spent a week saying, "Holy crap, was that a shoot? Was that a what? Like how? Like and and I think that the answer is somewhere in between. Like it's pretty clear that they've decided to not script these talking smack shows, or a lot of there's a lot of shows that are going off of bullet points now, but. Monday Night Raw, they promote, they do have a video package that someone spent time on that promotes Miz and Daniel Bryan having a face-off on SmackDown. SmackDown comes and all it, there's a backstage segment with Shane, with Shane and Daniel Bryan where Shane says, you should apologize. And then nothing else happens until Talking Smack when Bryan sort of says what, like, sort of explains the whole thing. I was so, yeah, I was so disappointed in the promo 
when it seemed like they were ruining this organic work shoot moment. Yeah. And then when Brian on Talking Smack, which, by the way, the best show in WWE <laughs> right now is not SmackDown or Raw, it's Talking Smack. Um, when, when he said that... Yeah, <laughs> it really is. It's I hear been my favorite check it two out. weeks in a row. Um, when he said that WWE is not letting us interact with each other, yeah, I'm so back in. I, I'm like, oh, it's a work shoot again. Yeah, like, it's really weird. They found a way. They, they really did. It's pull like they, on Monday night they ruined everything. I met. I texted you, Sam, and said like, I can't. Like, of course they found the one way to take all the air out of one of the most interesting things that happened by bringing it into a storyline. Now that's always what happens in wrestling, right? As soon as CM Punk, CM Punk walks out of the WWE and it's the most interesting thing that's ever happened. But he's got to come back. And the moment he comes back, it, st- it ceases to be interesting, mm-hmm. right? Like to, to capitalize off any of these moments, they have to make it part of the fabric of the show. And that's not, that makes it worse, like by <laughs> definition almost. Um, but yeah, the uh, I'm trying to pull up the script right here. Oh yeah, so, so Brian explained... Um, this week on Talking Smack, that uh, if he, he 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 agreed with what the Miz said. He said, "quote If I had the guts, if I had any guts, I would quit and go to the Indies. Probably not bingo halls, more like Tokyo domes." Um, but you know, he goes on to say he's he's got family to worry about. He's trying to have kids with Bree, and like there's th- those concerns. I'm sure making take, collecting the paycheck is more important for for uh, those outside the ring matter I- issues. And then he closed by saying, this is a quote, which is why they're not letting us do anything on TV together anymore, because they're like, okay, Brian, Miz, you guys are done. The implication clearly being that, like, despite trying to catch lightning in the bottle and turning it into an on-screen storyline, WWE realized that putting them in the ring together just to yell at each other will lead everyone to believe that Daniel Bryan's got one last match. And all, and it's only gonna, we're only gonna be let down when Daniel Bryan's like, and my avatar Dolph Ziggler is gonna come <laughs> wrestle you, right? And they, right, and then he made it. It's clear that they are not having them interact for the reasons you just stated. Except when Bryan said it on Talking Smack, it seemed like oh, they're not letting them interact because they don't want them to shoot fight on yeah. SmackDown. It seemed like you know that that was what he was getting at, which is not the case, obviously. Is it? Is so it, uh, I go back and forth on the level of scripting that the that Talking Smack a week ago had. I mean, it's like I said, I think that they're. I, I it feels like WWE has made the decision starting at the draft to let people let people talk off the cuff a little bit. You know, I mean, and just see how it all shakes out. See see who's good at it. See how fans react. And I think that's a great thing. Um, if the if that talking smack interaction between the Miz and Daniel Bryan was scripted to any degree, like even with bullet points, the Miz might be the best actor in WWE because he seems so legitimately shook. The whole, t- even when he like got on a roll, it was like how I imagine myself cutting promos, where I'm just like freaking out the entire time. And after when the camera stopped rolling, I would just be like, "Did I say words?" You know, like that's what it felt like was going through the Miz's head, and it was really compelling because of that. I mean, I think he there's has to be some um, truth to it, some shoot to it, because he tapped into something very clearly. Because on SmackDown, I mean, Dolph ruined it, you know, by being like you said, an avatar. But the Miz half of that promo segment was was good he like kept it going i thought he i thought he was like here's the thing we should never forget about the miz he got his start on the real world and many 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 seasons of the real world World's challenge which is my favorite show on television um that in the entire everybody on that show the whole point is to is it's all a work shoot right? right the whole point is to be committed and believable when you lose your shit on whoever's screwing your girlfriend. He's he is so much better practiced at this than That's anyone true. else on that roster. I mean, of course he's acting. Of course it's a work shoot. Like there's there's no question and he just happens to be the most skilled at that that one thing. I just I've always thought about the about the real world in general, the whole franchise. And this is this extends to all of reality television pretty much now, but I remember watching in the early days and thinking how much of a mindfuck it would be to talk about to talk in the present tense about something that happened four days ago, yep. just over and over yep. again. And I and that and to do that, you either have to be an incredible actor, like 
not I mean not a trained actor, but you have to have that sort of like those acting skills, or like you're going to go insane because that's just weird. That's a weird thing for a person that now in in 2016 probably less of a weird thing because we're all born and raised on this stuff. Um, but yeah, so is there anything else? Is there any other take takeaway from from our brief? Our brief fling with uh, with the Miz and Daniel Bryan shoot feud, other than Miz and Dolph Ziggler wrestling at the pay per view. <laughs> yeah, my takeaway is that Miz needs to go over. That <laughs> I think Dolph hey. gives me nothing, nothing. I'm just not in until his heel turn. Do it at Backlash. Have Miz go over clean, and then have Dolph just snap. Is that what's next? N- Backlash. Yeah, I can't keep track. I need Lord Miz. I need Miz ter- to keep yeah. this going. The, the the pay-per-view names and the off months you're just it's impossible for it to keep them straight flash I think forward backflash what I was I'm a big proponent of the Dolph Ziggler heel turn despite saying you know fate, the era of faces and heels whatever is over like Dolph Ziggler needs a Ric Flair robe and like <laughs> yeah. and and like different entrance music and and he needs to like you know just to do the the Rick Rude like pelvic thrusts to all the fat slobs in the crowd like he needs to be he needs to just reset or another option would be to really take on the Daniel Bryan's avatar role fully, put him in some like maroon tights and let him grow a big beard and then just give him all of the booking, that, all the storylines that you would have given Daniel Bryan. It won't work. <laughs> <laughs> it won't no, work. but it would be really compelling to watch if, if they if they just leaked that out. That would be really weird. I also weird. found it ironic when Dolph was going in on Miz for wanting to be famous because my like casual sense of Dolph is that Dolph would not mind being famous. Well, that's such a hilarious insult to hurl at some at a pro wrestler. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, why are any of you here? Um, yeah, I mean, I think Dolph Ziggler. I think Dolph Ziggler is, and I think maybe this is a problem with his character writ large. Dolph Ziggler is certainly interested in the. It's not like the trappings of celebrity. He is interested, like his personal interests are things are are so, like celebrity adjacent things right like he's interested in stand-up comedies you know whatever but i'm not sure that at his core he really wants to be famous i think that he would like he would i think he would rather be i think he would rather be you know zach galifianakis than will ferrell sure but at the same time the like amateur wrestling like gym rat underdog vibe is like it's not it's just not happening right Oh no, yeah. no no no. I, I yeah. There's they need to figure something out and I don't and whatever. No no one knows what the answer is. Um, yeah, and and listen, to WWE's credit, sometimes there's there's there is a a benefit to inaction. If they're not going to get it right, we don't want to see we don't want the Cesaro situation of like we're going to give him a beret every other week or something to try to make him subtly different. You know, like if you can't if you don't know what you're doing, sometimes <laughs> The answer is to not do it. Is to not do anything. You know. Was there a, was there a beret? There was a beret. Face? Oh, that's so unfortunate. I mean, it's happened so many times. Like, <laughs> I love Cesaro. What's with the indignity? I don't understand. He. They just spent. They spent. I mean, and it's still have. He's got the tearaway suit. Is a oh, relatively new thing. It. And the sunglasses. I love the tearaway suit. I won't lie. But like, it's it's like they they know they have like the it's like you know the create a character and in, in the WWE video game and in two K it's like. You you have at you have ev- everything you want except for a gimmick, and instead of just sort of embracing that as the gimmick in the way they've done, you know, wrestlers in the past or like Chris Benoit or, or you know something like that, and and letting it grow, mm-hmm. they just keep throwing weird little flourishes on them with hopes <laughs> that that'll catch on, and it's just sort of it's never gonna work. Um, Sam, well, yeah, I just think if if they're going to do it, they've got to do it now while he's still. He still has that main event feud, like not too far away in his rear view. Um, like I just feel like that's kind of the the angle, right? He he was gonna try his best. He was gonna sort of turn over a new leaf, and he was gonna really earnestly give it a go. And he just sucked. Like he yeah. lost. He lost clean. He lost bad. It's like a, like that. You that's the turn. Yeah. I mean, it's like they it's like they keep making the they keep like projecting that something's going to happen and then they always run out of time for it to happen. Right. Um, uh, before we get off Smackdown, the only other the only real note that I have about it is that uh, is that I love the Headbangers debuted on to re debuted on Tuesday night, which is just insane. They're a tag team of like they're just like grunge kids from the 90s and they were 
semi-famous wrestlers in the 90s and they brought them back because they need tag teams and they need something resembling star power. Um, is this a contract or is this like a one-off? Well, they lost in their first match. We'll see. But now SmackDown is the home to the Headbangers, uh, Rhino, Kurt, the, Kurt Hawkins is about to return, who is, an, who is not not an Attitude Era guy, but a former wrestler. Shelton Benjamin was announced on the first SmackDown. They, I don't even know if they've said anything since then. But, he got injured. Oh, he got hurt? I totally missed this. I'm pretty sure he's like out. Like he's like announced it's not happening because he got injured. But they got. But I mean, but in, but SmackDown is is the home of all of these sort of retreads now, which is sort of interesting for people like me. But I can't imagine. Like, do you, Angelina? Do you watch something like that happen? I don't and, watch SmackDown. Oh well, you got to watch. This this week was not a terrible not a terrible thing to miss. Shelton Torres rotator cuff. That's a bad break. Oh, that's tough. Yeah. Um. Man, that's too bad. But anyway, I mean, so my question is, in kayfabe, why doesn't SmackDown sign the Dudley Boys now that they're released from Raw? Like, isn't that the perfect I home for them? I thought they were them? on Sm- SmackDown. They're not. No, they were. They got drafted to Raw, and then now they're just retired, or they left WWE. Oh. I thought that was going to be a research. So that, that's what I assumed was going to was going to. Oh, happen. you think they're, they are going to turn up there? Well, no, I, I thought that there was going to be a situation where they split up. I thought they were like kind of hinting toward a split and that they I'm like going and I thought that they were going to let Bubba kind of like have his heel singles like they, I, th- I thought they were going to split them up because they needed uh, singles guys and Bubba's proven that he can do that and I thought they were going to maybe have Devon go to Smackdown or something um, no they're definitely gone from WWE oh well there you go also gone from WWE apparently is Alberto Del Rio who like is who had an out in his contract and has exercised it after his 30 day suspension he I don't think he's ever he's gonna be coming back which is another weird I mean with the hype they brought him back with last year or last year yeah and last that year. I mean for I mean I I had higher hopes for the League of Nations and that was stupid of me but uh <laughs> Why? I think I just <laughs> liked all the people that were in it, and I thought it was a good, it was a good kind of traditional heel troop, you know. Like they could have done and trope, they could have done something interesting with it, but they, they, it was clear that they were never. I mean, in retrospect, and probably at the time, it should have been clear that they were never interested in, in promoting it at all. Anyway, yeah, I mean, Del Rio was over before it started. I, the way they debuted, I, mean. I hope that this doesn't have any. This doesn't affect Paige's employment in WWE. That's my. I mean, I love Del Rio. Del Rio is one of the talking about Kevin Owens' facial expressions after he won the belt, or as that in the end game to that match, the 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 ability to like project the storyline on your face while you're in a ring is a real, really important wrestling skill that most people uh, don't have and. Del Rio is one of the few people who do who does have it. Like he just does all the little things in the ring right, and that doesn't mean that he's automatically he should have been a headliner. But it's just sad to see. I mean, people with specific skill sets like that go. Um, you know, whatever. It seems to be his choice, so I'm not I'm not gonna lament or I'm not gonna you know yeah lament it too much. Hopefully he'll he'll be happy in his future endeavors. All right. The one thing that happened this week outside of the ring that's, uh, you know, everybody's been talking about is the passing of the great wrestling manager wrestler, and wrestler, Mr. Fuji. Um, we hadn't seen him in a while. It's, this isn't some tragedy. He was an older guy. But, um, but you know, it's sort of like, I, don't, I mean, there's, there's absolutely no parallel between him and Gene Wilder, except that, like, <laughs> except that, like, I would, you they know, both wore a hat. <laughs> they did. They both were famous for hats and 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 like unnecessarily elaborate suiting. And um, they had both been out of the public eye enough to like. I don't mean this in like a snarky way, but like, you know, if someone told you they died five years ago, you might not be totally shocked. You know, I mean, they had sort of. I, I was actually. I thought Gene Wilder died a long time ago. I was really surprised. Yeah, but <laughs> exactly. Um, but Mr. Fuji was. I mean, Mr. Fuji got a, got an obit in the New York Times, man. I mean, that's pretty exciting, right? Yeah. I mean, that's good for him, and he and he earned it. Mr. Fuji was a funny one. Um, he had a great career as a wrestler, uh, and then, but um, but for everyone listening to this, especially people of my generation, much, he had a much more significant. He, he he was had a much more significant career as a manager, a heel manager. To um, I guess my earliest memories were like the Rock Don Morocco. 
the original rock by the way remember he he was really mad when wwe started calling dwayne johnson the rock um and then they keep saying most famously as the manager for yokozuna he always seemed like such a throw-in to the Yokozuna deal, and and he, I I loved him much more when he was in the in the in the tuxedo and bowler hat and throwing salt in people's faces. But like, um, I guess that's how the younger generation must remember him more. I mean, that's all. That's my only memory of him is the uh, costing Bret Hart the championship sure. at WrestleMania with the salt in the eyes, and then challenging. For uh, no reason whatsoever, issuing an open challenge after the WrestleMania main event. And, you know, Hulk just ended up being there. And then he, Mr. Fuji tried to throw salt in Hulk's eyes and he missed and threw it in Yokozuna's eyes. And that was that. But Yeah. Well, see, Hogan's, Hogan had, had faced the, I mean, had faced off against Mr. Fuji and, and his uh, cadre of, of evil wrestlers so many times that there was probably nobody better equipped at dodging the salt than Hulk Hogan. Um, my first, I think my first ever live wrestling show was um, Hulk Hogan versus Killer Khan, who was a very, it was a very brief feud for Hogan. Killer Khan was probably more notable for fake breaking Andre the Giant's leg, but, but Fuji managed Khan. Um, there was a lot of sort of, you know, uh, typecasting whenever if there was like an Asian villain Mr. Fuji was brought in as the manager and he the the suit I guess was a was a was a, a I don't know if homage is even if that's too generous a word but he was supposed to look like odd job um who from my favorite bond henchman I think everybody's bond henchman the a weird thing for me is uh, you know I've just thought too much about how racist wrestling is but like I always I always read Mr. Fuji as a sort of a much more racist character than he actually was. Huh. He's he's clearly like embracing lots of stereotype, but like I don't I think maybe just because I didn't like yeah, until I until I was in a I mean, when as as a younger viewer, not as a kid, but like in my college age in my early 20s, yeah, I just I just kind of assumed <clears throat> maybe assumed a little bit too much about WWE's or the WWF's intentions with this character. They were just ripping off odd job. Yeah. They weren't playing off of like this wasn't like the Jerry Lewis Asia you know Chinese stereotype right. or whatever. Um, and then he changed his dress for when he started managing Yokozuna, right? Yeah, he so, he wore like the traditional robes, which was and it, he had the the Japanese flag. Yeah, they're both Hawaiian, which was the kind of the great thing about uh, about that. Feud. Oh, he wasn't even Japanese. Well, he's, he's Japanese American. He's yeah. Oh, okay. Um, so he's not Samoan. No. So when you say Hawaiian in the context of wrestling, wait, isn't Yokozuna from Hawaii? Am I Yokozuna, crazy? But I think Mr. Fuji's Japanese American. Yeah, but born in Hawaii, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, but yes, uh, weirdly, the guy that played Odd Job was also briefly a professional wrestler. I don't think that's. <laughs> I don't know if that's weird. I think maybe in like the in like the seventies, like anybody who was really muscular was at some point a professional wrestler. You just you know you got someone just offered you some money to go do it. And um, my, I, my my other memory is, I well, this might not have happened. I might have just made this up. But that Yokozuna then had his face turned, and then they started carrying. He, he switched flags. Like, I think yeah, he started carrying the American the flag. The American flag. That yeah. happened. I didn't that was, make that, that was, up. So <laughs> yes, I, I'm glad you brought that up because that was the weird thing about the weird thing about Mr. Fuji is for someone who's born in born in Honolulu. Uh, was Japanese American to, to his dying day did not like it was almost like the professional athlete who insists on using a, a translator even though they can speak English like the like like Yao Ming Tate who are the other great examples of of, of athletes who use, no attention to athletes who use translators who, who don't need them oh well all in baseball yeah everyone in baseball but uh, Puig, but like Puig's the, Puig's the I have no idea how great yeah yeah so Puig, I, I have no idea how good Mr. Fuji's English was but like it seemed like it was just not like he could like you, no one could understand him until you got to know him he was also um, a, a notorious prankster backstage like he was just like and, and all of the prank all of the ribs just seem like when you hear people talk about him it doesn't seem like they were like they they love talking about Mr. Fuji ribbing them, but it doesn't seem like they were good or fun ribs at all, <laughs> which just goes to his mindset a little bit. Well, um, did, how did you guys feel as people who are clearly fans about that video package they did memorializing him on Raw? 
which is one of the more bizarre things I've Why was it bizarre to you? Because it felt like it came out of a time capsule. It felt like they made it in 1989 and it's it, just been sitting on a shelf waiting for him to been, die. It could have I think it was repurposed from his Hall of Fame and his Hall of Fame or it could have been repurposed from his Hall of Fame induction which was not that long ago, but I think it might be like the Wall Street Journal obits department where they just have these things ready to That's go. That's what it Why felt not? like. But then there was the moment where they were like, and part of some of the, the greatest TV parodies in the history of time. And then, nice. and then they cut to like one of the most low rent, terribly written, well, most awkward those, clips. Those Mr. Fuji and Don Morocco, the Fuji Vice, and there were a couple other ones, those deserve a, a, a deep dive because that was one of the weirdest things that WWE ever produced. Talk about like, talk about messing with kayfabe. Like those, they were just doing like comedy segments. I don't know. Were was they just funny so though? Weird. Because the clip they showed they were was not like, funny at all. They like were, out of this is terrible.com or something. I feel like this was when Miami Vice was so popular that just. Just like, the fact that there were two like wrestlers pretending. Miami wow. Vice is like okay. the hilarious joke. Okay. That is my well. guess. I watched this. Yeah, no, no. It two was, minutes of it on YouTube. That was WWE YouTube. trying to coast off of the popularity of Miami Vice, but also it was them trying to make their own thing. It's the it's the never-ending Vince McMahon quest to like create content that will transcend wrestling. And in some ways, that certainly did because it was just so bad. Yeah, that, that video package was... <laughs> it was dreadful. Could have been made like 10 years ago. Yeah. I, the point I was trying to make earlier was that Mr. Fuji was like always this... Like he could never... Like he was a great heel manager because you could never understand what he was saying. Yeah. Um, he managed demolition in their heel heyday. He did. He managed a lot of people, um, but the but the important thing, sir, bring this back around to what you said, Sam, about that Yokozuna face turn was that he was always weirdly, he was a throw in to the Yokozuna deal. It was Jim Cornette was the real like heel manager, and and, and Fuji was sort of the attendant. When Yokozuna turned face and brought Fuji with, usually when you turn face, you 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 dispatch your heel manager. He got, I think he got rid of Cornette. I think that was I that think was the thing. That was the thing. But he got he kept Fuji, and the, and so subtly that was also the face turn for Mr. Fuji, which fans of my generation had been dying for forever because we Mr. Fuji was such a part of our lives. He was that wrestler who never really got his babyface run until that you know brief Yokozuna turn. The the thing that I I, I like rewatched like just kind of highlights from a couple of the Fuji Yokozuna. Um, matches that first of all there's just I mean you, you realize that uh, managers really just are it's just obsolete now there's yeah. Heyman and that's it yeah For I mean ma- male managers and he's I mean? not even a manager I mean I, I uh, when I wrote about Hawk of the Road Warriors in my book I one of the uh, like I made a joke that like one of the great things about the heel manager was that it, for for monstrous wrestlers, which were a lot of the managers, you know, a lot of the people they represented were these big, were these giant monsters. It answered these sort of like these uh, kind of lingering questions, like does you know the berserker have a checking account? You know, like it's you, which which is really helpful. But the, but if you go back and read the Wikipedia page, I suggest for Mr. Fuji, I suggest that you do just for the business like the kayfabe business side of it, because it's just a litany of wrestlers who he represented and then sold the rights to another manager <laughs> and then acquired the rights from somebody. Like, there is a lot of, for all of the, all of the quote-unquote real sports, you know, storytelling that WWE has been doing since uh, since the draft, there was a whole lot of this, like, like sports center crawl stuff going on in, in the WWF back in the day. Just a lot of transactions, you know? <laughs> and Mr. Fuji was... Uh, was He's a wheeler and a dealer. Uh-huh. He was a real wheeler and dealer, man. The other thing. R.I.P. Oh, Mr. Fuji. No. Oh, it's, they should bring back. I like when people have signature cheating methods. Like, you don't just cheat. You know, the, yeah. you have your signature way to cheat. The direct flare like, eye poke right. or the yeah. uh, the uh, Jerry the King Lawler through fire. Oh, I guess he wasn't there. He got, he got that from the Sheik, the original Sheik. But, yeah, I mean, there. I, I like has that too. his... Yeah, that the it's sledgehammer. Kind of not, it's, sledgehammer's not really. It's not. It's not very. It's not a very devious way of cheating. No. Yeah. At least it's a signature. It's not nothing. Yeah. But I think yeah, that's we right. Need, we need some signatures. Abdullah the butcher gave people uh, hepatitis. That was his signature. <laughs> um. Anyway, the uh, yeah. R.I.P. Mr. Fuji. He was. He was really one of the greats. And and uh, uh, yeah. I mean, he, I. 
I just go back and watch everything you can on YouTube at Mr. Fuji. There's so much, like everything, especially the Fuji Vice stuff. It is so weird and so of the moment, and and it's just totally worth watching. Um, well, we got to get out of here. We've been talking for way too long, but I said I told you guys before we started that I wanted to run through, run back SummerSlam. It's been a couple of weeks, and see just as an experiment, see if anything matters. So I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna name, I'm just gonna tell you the match and the result, and you guys get to say yay or nay. Does yay, it, it matters, or nay, it does not matter. Correct. Okay. Um, all right, let's skip the tag team match. Um, Sami Zayn and Neville defeated the Dudley Boys. Does this matter? Nay. Lowest possible matter. <laughs> and unless that's what actually chased the Dudley Boys out of wrestling, then nay is the correct answer. Sheamus defeated Cesaro. Lower than the lowest possible. It doesn't matter. But they're still feuding, at least. Yeah. It was a. It was part of a storyline that like continues. So that give it give it some points for that. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Jace. All right. <laughs> um, Jericho and Owens defeated Enzo and Cass. Yay. That I'd say yay for that. Owens their champion now. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. Yeah. I mean. If Sam's really down on this. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Charlotte defeated Sasha. I mean, yay. Very yay, right? I mean, that... we haven't seen much of Charlotte, have we? Sasha's and Sasha's that, that Sasha interview so is not was not it. No, that was bad. Yeah, they're doing. Oh, I forgot about that. that was really yeah, bad. they're Oops. doing some. They're doing some <laughs> rebooting in the women's on the women's side with with. Yeah, it's it it'll. Uh, I think we'll be somewhere different in a couple of weeks. Um, but yeah, I think that that matters. I mean, that was a big, that was... I mean, I'm looking forward to Charlotte Bailey, so... Yeah. Oh, hell yeah. And then Sasha will come back and challenge for the title again, and that and, and the SummerSlam will matter anew. Uh, the Miz defeated Apollo Crews. Man, that does not matter. No, not even a little. Um, and that's sad for Apollo. Uh, AJ defeated John Cena. I mean, sure. monumental, I yeah. feel like. Right? That's like... <laughs> The only thing SmackDown has is that the only, match that they reference like twenty times. The only thing, yeah, and that's what, and yeah, and that's what's put AJ in position to be challenging for the world title. Do you know what? It's actually, it's actually kind of, it, it feels like it extra matters, like more so than WWE is usually comfortable doing with. Uh, if a feud happens and then a guy goes on hiatus, they kind of just don't really mention that guy and they kind of move on to the next feud. It's cool that even though AJ's moved on to Ambrose and Cena is on hiatus, that they're still, you know, yeah. calling back to that feud. It, it... Agree. Um, the club beat the New Day. Man, that feud had so much potential, didn't it? <laughs> doesn't matter. No, it doesn't matter at all. <clears throat> Agreed? Agreed. Dean Ambrose defeated Dolph Ziggler. Man, that could not have mattered less. This is getting. This is a sad experiment yeah. that I decided. I kind of. I I kind of wasn't looking forward to this experiment. I won't lie. <laughs> uh, Finn Balor defeated Seth Rollins. I mean, the most important. Oh. It doesn't. It didn't matter. It literally didn't matter. I mean, I guess. Yeah. It, I mean, at the moment, it, it mattered. It matters. And then the next day, it, it, it doesn't was, matter the way we'd hoped it, it would negated matter. negated the matter. Oh yeah. I mean, I guess in the sense yeah. that that led to what sure. we saw on Monday night, that matters a lot. And then Lesnar, TKOing Randy Orton. I mean, again, that mattered a whole lot for about 48 hours, and then it just doesn't matter anymore. They, For the way that they treated Randy in that match, he was so over the next SmackDown, and they've just done nothing with it. Well, he's now feuding with Bray Wyatt, which, which is an, a few that I was very interested to see, but not one that really does any either of them any favors the way that they've been booking it nothing and now brock is what <laughs> gonna wrestle shane at royal rumble uh, oh man i mean listen i love uh, the, the fact that brock is such uh, you know I've, I've written this i've talked about it brock's schedule the fact that he's not on tv a lot is a huge benefit in a lot of ways you know it, it definitely like allows yeah. things to seem like a bigger deal because he's there or whatever but if we're talking about does a match matter does the did the outcome matter um in the, for this situation i mean it's like it happened and then it was just over paul Heyman's on monday night raw just basically filling up space to remind people that that brock lesnar is employed do you think they're doing shane brock yes or no i think that it'll happen 
Oh man, but it, it, I am just so not interested in that. I couldn't be less interested. You think they're doing? I, I I have no idea, but I I'm with y'all. I I could care less. WWE did announce weirdly announced that Brock and Orton have a rematch at a live event in Chicago in in like a month. I think I'm the outlier in that I just I cannot stand Brock Lesnar. I don't really? want to look at him. I don't want to watch him wrestle. You're over it. He, you just he, hate he, his face. He, I I hate his entire vibe. He makes my stomach turn. Like I I cannot stand that guy. And I, not in like a he's a heel and I don't like him. I mean like if I if I saw that dude in the street, I would turn and run in the other direction. And not because I'm afraid, just because I don't want to be in that orbit. Well, if Jericho doesn't trust someone, then I'm out. Oh well, I didn't. Sure. <laughs> um. Well, yeah, so I think that the verdict is SummerSlam was long and wonderful and none of it really mattered that much. And Reigns Rusev. Oh, I, did I skip Reigns Rusev? Well, there we go. That's the answer to that one. Was that even a match? It was not really a match. I don't think it ever really started, right? I don't think so. Um, well. Am I, just one last question before we go. Am I crazy or was Reigns totally over in that match the other night? He was, they, were, they were booing him and cheering him in equal measure, it felt like. Yeah, I think we're all. I think that. I think that. I think the crowd has largely come around on Reigns, the the wrestler, and but everyone's still down on Reigns, like the the uh, favorite son of the booking committee. Huh. Yeah. He gets a reaction. I didn't hear one like "you can't wrestle" chant. Am I crazy? Like I feel like this is the best possible use of him for him to just like just to be able to like you know powder out and then run in and Superman punch five people and then power bomb somebody (laughs) and then disappear again. Like right. I mean right. They say what you will about the character, like what they do with him from here. But whatever they do, he feels major. Right? Oh, yeah, he feels like sure. a major player. You can take him in whatever direction you want. And, but yeah, and that, and WWE is doing. I mean, since his suspension, has been using him. And I've said it before in the exact right way to let him be that guy to yeah. give everything the feel, the big match feel, to have it feel important, and to swerve you by making you by never letting him win these big matches. And like I said, kudos to to him for put it, for going all out in the matches, even knowing mm-hmm. that he's not going to win. Um, all right, well, we got to get out of here. Thank you both for uh, for for sitting here and talking <laughs> about wrestling for the past hour. An honor and a privilege, David. Thank um, We all got to get back to our regular jobs. Tate, thank Mine's you very much door. for sitting there and not paying attention. Okay. And um, remember, uh, always remember Gary the Milkman Melman, humanoids. <laughs> <laughs>